you need a contract. No ifs, ands, or buts. I'm not an attorney, so I can't give legal advice, but this is a general rule of thumb, like you need a contract. Everything written in stone, in paper. Welcome to the Coffee with Courtney podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Marie, web designer and CEO of Courtney Marie & Co. After building a multiple six-figure design agency, I wanted to create a podcast to share everything I've learned and am still learning to help you grow your business. Each week, you'll hear from me and other experts, share tips on branding, marketing, business, and so much more. So if you're ready to learn how to run a successful business and stand out online, grab your cup of coffee and let's dive in. Welcome back. So today's episode is going to be super juicy. Uh, so get out your notes app or your notebook because you're definitely going to take notes. Um, so how to deal with difficult clients. That's what I'm talking about today. Uh, it's definitely something that we don't want to go through, but as a business owner, it's just, what's the word? Inevitable. I think that's the right word. Um, we're going to go with that, that it's going to happen. At some point, it's going to happen more than likely. It's going to happen in the beginning stages when you're still taking on as many clients as you can um, and you're still figuring out who it is that you're that you want to work with. Now, don't get me wrong, you could get past that point and it still happens. They still slip through the cracks. Um, you know, maybe you had a good sales call, you got a good vibe, and then you just find out like halfway through the project that, ooh, we're not a good fit after all. Um, and at that point, you do have a couple options, but um, more than likely, you're just about to, you just want to finish the project and get through it as best as you can. So let's dive in. I want to start with how to spot the red flags on the discovery call because that's where it all starts, right? The sales call, discovery call. I do think, or the reason that I still take these in my business is one, I like to get to know the person. Um, You know, is it truly a good fit to work together? Do our personalities align? Do Does their design brand style, the direction they want to go, align with our brand and design style. Um, And you can't really pick up on a lot of that through text, in my opinion. Um, So I like to do sales calls, happy to do them. So I'm going to give you a few questions, like as an example of questions that you can ask on a sales call. And then I'm going to go through a few questions of things to look for while you're having this conversation. Um, And then we'll go into setting expectations, boundaries, communication, and then I'll give you a few response examples just from, you know, responses over the years that we've kind of had to uh, brainstorm and really articulate how to word this in a professional manner. I think that's the trickiest part, right? Sometimes you just want to react, but as a business owner, you cannot do that. Um, In my opinion, you could run your business however you want, but I like to keep things professional, um, calm, cool, and professional. So questions to ask on the sales call. Have you worked with a coach, a designer, a fitness trainer in the past. How was that experience for you? What did you like about it? 
What didn't you like about it? Just kind of keep asking questions to dig a little deeper. Next one would be, what problem are you running into with your business? You know, hey, tell me more about your business. Where are you at? Where do you want to go? What problem are you running into? Because they have come to the call because they have a problem and you have a solution. That's what it is. So just simply ask them, what problem are you trying to solve? What problem are you running into right now? Next question, what is the desired outcome or goal? Okay, great. Where where do you want to be? Or what it why are we here? Or what are you here for? How can I support you? Where do you see your business in the next two years? How would you describe your ideal client? Now, this is huge when it comes to designers. I need to know that you have done step one, two, and three, or step one before working with us. And one of those steps is finding out who your ideal client is and you've done the homework, like you're very clear on your messaging and brand strategy. If you're not there yet, for us, we can't work with you because you need to go back and complete step one before you move on to step two. You can't really skip it. Uh, because what's going to happen, we give you a questionnaire asking you these, it's a long questionnaire, <laughs> asking you questions that we need to know about your brand. Um, and if you don't know those, we can't create the assets for your brand. Um, so that's a huge question that will determine like if that's a red flag or not. If they, if they can't explain it, okay, well then, you know, it, it's a no right now. But why don't we go back to step one and then let's connect in the future. So things to look for as you're having this conversation, asking these questions, are they rude? Are they demanding? Are they condescending? And if you've run into those people, you you can pick up on that from their tonality of how they speak to you. So that's kind of like a, you have to feel for it. And again, you can't pick up on that through text. Now, I will say, we actually had an email come through that I did pick up on that through an email. And I was like, sorry, we're we're not a good match. Um, and just to give you an example, I think he came back and was like, oh, you're going to turn down a seven-figure project. And I was like, Yes, unfortunately, we're not a good fit. I wish you all the best um, because I'm not, I don't accept people who are rude, condescending, and let alone I don't want to work with them. Um, that's just a boundary of mine. It, it would be a terrible working relationship and they would just end up taking advantage of us. So other things to look for, are they clear on what they want? Can they explain very clearly what they're needing? So another thing I've run into is if I'm talking to someone and it goes back to like describing your ideal client, if they're not clear on what they want, if they're all over the map, just like I've had calls where their intentions are great. They have this big dream and they have all these ideas, but again, they've skipped step one. Step one is very important to starting a business. Like you you just can't skip it. Just like you can't skip the hustle, you can't skip. You, you can't get rich overnight. Um, so I've noticed 
If someone isn't very clear on what they want, this can be a big red flag. Also, when it comes to design, because that tells me, ooh, like, are they going to be able to give us clear, direct feedback? If someone can't articulate or explain what they want, how will they be able to articulate or explain what they want to change about the design? And that's a big one for designers in particular because feedback is very important to creating the best possible outcome. Um, You know, we've had clients in the past where it was a good fit starting out, but I didn't ask the right questions on the sales call to determine, you know, once we got to the refinement process, it was like, oh, can you make it pop more? I don't know what pop more means. I don't think anyone knows what pop more means. Um, You have to be able to give clear, direct feedback when working with any sort of service provider. Um, I like this section, but can we switch out the text in the image here? Can we flip-flop or can we replace this image? Can we change this color? All these specific details gives us clear direction. Oh yeah, we can do that. No problem. But when when we hear, can you make it pop more? Um, well, I could sit here for hours kind of wondering what you mean by make it pop more and try my best, but you're probably not going to be happy with it because your definition of pop more could be completely different than my definition. Um, okay, next one. Do they seem like go with the flow? very open-minded, or are they very particular on how they like things done um, or how they like things to look? Now, this doesn't necessarily mean it's a red flag, but it could be. This is kind of one of those, again, you just have to feel it um, because I'm a one and I'm very... I'm a perfectionist and I'm very particular in how I like things, but if I'm working with someone who I trust and I accept that there's not going to be a perfect result because you're always going to be changing, your brand is constantly evolving as your business grows. So I've done the work to understand that not everything has to be perfect right out the gate. Um, But going back to when I trust the person that I'm working with, I'm a little, like I'm more open-minded to the process versus closed off, very structured. No, this isn't working. I need it like this. Very demanding. Like that's not the type of client that you want to work with. Again, you just have to feel it. But I think if there's that trust factor and just communication, hey, this is an it could be lack of uh, communication. So one thing for me, when someone explains to me, hey, this is what we're doing. Like this is the outcome we're going to shoot for. This is a process. This is how we're going to get there. And these are the steps that I'm going to take. Um, that, oh my gosh, that just puts my mind at ease. I'm like, oh my gosh, awesome. You rock, do your thing. Can't wait to see it. Now, if that wasn't communicated to me in the beginning, I would be over here like, are things getting done? Like, 
uh, when do I expect an email? Like, do I just sit here and twiddle my thumbs? Like that sort of thing, because I'm a go-getter kind of person and I like to make sure that things are being done. So it could just be a communication thing and expectations. Last one is how they talk about past working relationships. Do they put down all their past working relationships? Did they work with a designer previously and it didn't go well? Um, you know, how do they talk about the people that they've worked with prior to you? Because the last thing you want is you don't know what happened, but the last thing you want is working with someone who that could happen to you. They may not like working with you and they may badmouth you. So that's very important. I mean, that's the same in dating. So you would apply the same thing to a sales call. Okay, now I want to move into expectations and boundaries. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is you need to have a contract. When you are trading your service for money or program, course, whatever it is, you are in business and you are offering a service or a solution in exchange for money, you need a contract. No ifs, ands, or buts. I'm not an attorney, so I can't give legal advice, but this is a general rule of thumb, like you need a contract. Everything written in stone, in paper. Uh, so a few things, like important things that I've found that we make sure we include in the contract to cover our our end is including the project scope. So what this means or what this looks like is you need to include the project scope, what's included in that service, in that project, in that program, in that course, all the details down to, I'll give you two examples for a course. You get 12 weekly modules, 30 days of Voxer, two one-on-one 60-minute Zoom calls, um, email access Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, Like very to the point because what this does for you is it protects you when someone comes back and asks, oh, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you add on this? And you can just refer to, yes, we can absolutely add that on for you, but it's not included in the current project scope. Or maybe it's someone for designers. So we include exactly what's included in that package. Um, For web design, it's just like a a laundry list of things. I'm actually not going to go through it. But one of the most important ones is how many refinement cycles are included because you will get clients as a designer, hey, can you make this change? Can you make this change and this one and this one? And then you have a never-ending project. One thing we did to really cut that down and really put a boundary, we include two refinement cycles and that's it. If they want more edits after the refinement cycles have closed, Absolutely, they can have more edits, but they have to pay you for that time. So that's an add-on. And the people who want to work with you will respect that. They can't expect you to have a never-ending project that was supposed to be six weeks and it turns into six months. 
that is one of the <laughs> the most designer's worst nightmare is a project that just never ends. So that has been something that has really helped us in our process to draw that boundary. Next one is refund policy. Again, you need this for all types of offers. Do you offer refunds? What does that refund look like? Do you not offer refunds? Is it case-by-case scenario? Is it 50%? Is it no refunds once the contract is signed? No refunds once the invoice goes through? The, The verbiage needs to be very specific, again, so you can protect yourself. And your attorney will help you with the verbiage and all of that. Um, But just know refund policy is huge. Last one is policy to terminate service. Now, as a service provider, as a coach, whatever, if you're doing one-on-one services, um, I believe that you should have something in there in the contract that states if at any point... Again, I don't know the verbiage. Talk to your attorney. (laughs) Um, But if at any point a designer has, I don't know what our verbiage is, designer has the right to terminate services at any point or I don't know, due to the following or whatever it may be. Like be super specific because if you do have to fire a client, again, it just protects you. Hey, Um, according, you know, uh, as stated in our contract, this is the verbiage. We are no longer a good fit to work together, blah, blah, blah. Obviously don't say just that, but, um, that just protects you later on. Okay. Now I want to get into setting expectations and boundaries. Again, these should be in your contract. Um, but a few, few main ones that we go over are business hours do you work Monday through Friday? Do you work Monday through Saturday? Or do you work weekends? Do you work eight to five? Uh, or do you work after five? When do you respond to emails? That sort of thing. So we have ours as Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. And what that means, we're pretty good on this. <laughs> what that means is we are not working um, or we are not responding to any emails before 9 a.m. or after 5 p.m. And we don't respond to any emails over the weekend. So they know that ahead of time. So they're not sitting over there, hey, can you respond to my message? Uh, What's going on? Oh yeah, they work. Here's their business hours. Here's what to expect. Next one would be communication. How will you be communicating through the project? or through this um, coaching program, what does the response time look like? This could be different for everyone. So do you communicate? So we use email and that's it. I'm pretty strict on this. Like if someone sends me a DM or if they have my personal phone number, I will just simply say, hey, thanks so much for sending this in. Can you actually send this to uh, our email so we can be sure to respond to you in a timely manner. Just keep it professional. Now, if it's something that's urgent um, and I see it, obviously I'm going to take care of it there and then say from here on out, can you please just, or can you please send us an email too so we can make sure we see it um, right away. 
or get to it faster because they're not all the time. Um, do I see all my DMS, um, every single day or text messages? Like I don't get, I don't necessarily get back to them in the same day. It's just like an energy thing. Um, but I do have someone checking my email every single day between business hours. So I know those emails will get responded to within 24 hours. That is our expectation. That is a boundary that we've set. Um, So they know if they need to get in touch with us, please send us an email. And that's, again, that's in the contract. We also have like an onboarding uh, welcome packet that everything is laid out in there too because... We understand not everyone reads the contract. Uh, So we wanted to include it in the welcome packet as well. Next up would be processes. What does your process look like working with you? Now, this could be a little more simple when it comes to like a one-on-one coach or a coaching program. But when it comes to working with designers, every designer is going to have a different process. Ours is finally um, very streamlined and very uh, set, if that's the right word. Um, Like we send out emails on Fridays. We expect client feedback due on a certain day. Um, In order to keep the project moving along, we have deadlines to hit. Otherwise, we may have to push the project back. There may be fees involved if materials aren't um, aren't sent in at the time that we've agreed upon. Um, you know that was a huge one that we added last year because we ran into okay, great, we're starting your project, and then we get to the start date and we're not getting materials. Meanwhile, we have projects lined up for the next three months. And so we have to respect the clients that do have their materials done on time who like by their start date. And so then we would have to push the project back and things would just start to pile up. Um, So we actually put in a clause, something like if there's a second pushback, there will be a fee. It's just something that it's another boundary that we had to add. Of course, I don't like doing it. I don't like having to charge my clients extra, but there needs to be some form of accountability. And a lot of times it takes money to get people to get things done. I mean, that's just, you know, if someone were to hold me accountable, yeah, yeah, I'd do it. But if I had to pay a fine or pay a fee, if I didn't do it, I'd be like, oh shoot, now I need to get it done um, because I don't want to pay extra. So it does work. Um, other things, processes, you know, just having it laid out, like it'll take, your project will take this long, uh, four to six weeks, six to eight weeks, eight to 10, whatever it may be. Um, here are the days that we send feedback. Here are the days that we need feedback. Um, here's the deadlines. Here's what you can expect. This is when we do refinements. Um, you know, whatever your process is, it needs to be laid out to set that expectation. And again, we have this laid out in our client welcome packet so they can visually see, hey, here's our process. And then on our kickoff call, 
we actually go through it together and set the dates in our calendar so they know that they can plan. These are the dates that I need to review the project. It has made it streamlined so much. And I think the clients really appreciate it too because they can expect their project to be done when it says it's going to be done. And they can expect to plan time to set aside to give us feedback. Okay, the last one is kind of something that I just like to add uh, because if you do, if you are getting a lot of questions, I think it's important to add somewhere again in our client welcome packet. We include an FAQ section of just a lot of common questions that we've gotten asked over the last two years. I just Again, I like to automate and streamline things as much as possible, and I also like to provide as much support and information to our clients. Um, so I've included, hey, as you're you know getting started, as you're going through this, here's some commonly asked questions. Uh, if you have any of these, they might answer them for you. Um, that way you don't have to wait around for us to get back to you. They're already there, and if you don't see a question on here, shoot us an email and we'll get back to you. We also include this in our design services packet, basically to provide, again, just more answers to a for a potential client because those questions are going to be a lot different than someone who's working with us. So they are two separate things, um, and they might just be sitting there like, I have these questions, maybe I don't want to ask them, or maybe I don't know what to ask. It's just more support, more resources for them. Okay, so those are the more tangible uh, steps, you would say, um, things to implement in your business. Now I want to talk about you know, how to communicate with a client that maybe is being more on the difficult side, like difficult to work with, um, because it will happen. Like I said, it will happen. It's just inevitable. I'm just kidding. Keep saying that word. (laughs) I'm probably going to look it up after this episode. Um, but how to communicate with them if this does happen. My rules or whatever you want to call it is always keep things calm, professional, non-reactive, solution-oriented, and you may have to repeat yourself. And by repeat yourself, I just mean like if they are not being receptive or if they are not reading your emails, you you might just have to repeat yourself um, a couple different times. We've We've had to do that in the past. And the reason why I say calm and professional, like non-reactive, when you lead from a place of calm and non-reactive and not reacting to, you know, you're probably getting an email um, or message that's very reactive, okay? And your initial response would probably, like, what the heck? Like, (laughs) um, you'd probably want to react. But if you respond in a calm, non-reactive way, you can actually bring their tone down to match your calmness. So you could diffuse the situation just through your response. Now that doesn't always work, um, but I wanted to kind of give a few different examples to help you through these types of situations. Um, More than likely, you're going, it's going to be a case by case scenario We've had many different types of 
you know, I think our first year we had two refunds um, because it wasn't a good fit. Second year we actually, I don't know if we did any refunds second year, maybe one. Um, But again, it was case by case scenario. And it usually was looking back, it was usually me not either recognizing it on the sales call or maybe, you know, I saw it, but I wanted to help them anyway and thought we could get through it. Um, either way, not a not a good idea and ended up, you know, having to resolve it in the future. So hopefully these responses give you some guidance, but just know that you'll you'll probably have to when something happens, you'll probably just have to brainstorm if you have a good copywriter or if you have someone, a friend or family member that's really good with words, talk to them because I am not the best with words. So my project manager and I, we have to sit down, write the email, think about it, and then rewrite a few things before we do the final send off because we want to make sure that it sounds professional, it's in a nice manner because we don't want to be reactive. And then it also is very, you know, it's solution oriented and not just um, picking or basically just saying something to prove a point. We don't want that to happen. Okay, let me get into the examples. Example number one, I understand your frustration and we want to get to a resolution. Here's a solution that we propose. And then you would offer a solution um, that would help solve the problem. As stated, number two, as stated in our contract, this is outside the scope of project. However, we can add this service for a fee of blank. Again, you can reword these. These are kind of just quick ones um, that I've typed up. Number three, our team works Monday through Friday, so we will be sure to get to this first thing Monday morning. Now I'm reading that, I would probably say, thanks so much for sending this in. Um, because it's, maybe it's on a Friday, because it's uh, 4 or 5, uh, 4.30 Friday, um, I'll be sure that we get to this first thing Monday morning as we work uh, or when we get back in office, something like that. Again, see, I'm re- these are templates and I'm rewording it as I go. Uh, number four, we actually don't offer discounts on our services due to the quality of work or service that we provide. But what I can do is offer you a complimentary 30-minute call for extra support. So one thing that we do, we don't offer discounts on our done-for-you services Um, But if I see someone who is really struggling and really needs that extra touch point, it's a case-by-case scenario if I think they need it or not. Um, You know, I'm usually there to offer support in any way that I can. Last one. Um, This one is very short. It's Again, it's a template, but you'll have to reword it. We've decided that it would be best for both parties to part ways due to the following reasons. And the the reason I kind of phrase that at the end, yes, you could say, oh, we've decided it's not a good fit to move forward. Um, maybe give them some reasons why it's not a good fit so they can maybe see 
you know, why or what are you making your decision based off of? And maybe that shows them things that they could work on. Um, Because if you just like leave it open-ended, there could be a reaction like, well, you can't just decide to not work with me. And if you give them reasons, it just shows them, hey, here's what has happened. You know, this does not align with who we work with or who we want to work with. Um, or our values. Therefore, we think it would be best for both parties to part ways. Now, here's where you can insert if you offer a refund, a 50% refund, or if you don't offer refunds and you just wouldn't say anything. Um, But again, hopefully that gives you some examples to to use if you do have... um, difficult clients because like I said, it's going to happen. It's just how you handle it. And I just like to add that the first year in business, this was not the case. Like I was a mess when I had a difficult client. uh, You know, I had a coach at the time, thankfully to help me work through these, but there were a couple ones the first year I was just like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know how to handle this. Is it me? I'm taking it personal. Um, you know, should I change this? Oh my gosh, like they're being so rude. How do I handle this? And I finally got to a point where I recognized that what's the saying? Like people only operate out of the current situation they're in or something like that. So I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they had a bad day. Now, if it continues to happen, could just be a personality thing, (laughs) like a mismatch of personalities. Um, But just know that at the end of the day, you know, I'm here to run a business. I understand that there are people that are rude, but that doesn't mean that I have to work with them and I can't take it personal um, because once you peel back the feelings, you have to look at you have to look at it from a business standpoint and a customer service standpoint. That's, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it is. So you have to look at the facts, what has happened. Um, you know, after analyzing this, are we a good fit to work together or not? One last thing that I'll add in here, I keep thinking of new things. Uh, Also, everyone's personality is different. So if you've listened to the Enneagram episode with Tracy, if you haven't, definitely go back to that. I don't remember which number it was. It was like in the beginning. Um, But everyone communicates differently. So if you can learn psychology or learn communication, how to communicate with people, you can then learn different styles that people communicate and then you can respond according to those styles. Not everyone may receive it the way that you're saying it. So maybe you need to try saying it in a different way. Um, There's more that goes into that, but that hopefully that's like a little tip as you grow in your business you also want to be growing personally, like sales trainings, communication trainings, psychology trainings, because it all plays a part. So hope you learned something today. Like I said, it was a juicy episode. Everyone goes through this, so don't feel alone. You have to go through them. It's not the end of the world. People are people. We're all figuring life out. 
Um, So let me know what you thought of the episode. Tag me on Instagram and I'll catch you next week. As always, thanks for listening. And if you love this podcast, don't forget to subscribe or leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or on Instagram to help support the show. If you want additional resources to help you grow your business, you can find them on my website at CourtneyMarieCo.com or below in the show notes.